You've committed to a few specific goals and created your action plan. So now what? You give yourself your best chance at success by working at your peak, of course. Just how do you do that? Well, stick with us as we discuss how to build good habits so you can walk the path of progress every single day. Hey, you, you're listening to the Messy Desk Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to achieve more without the overwhelm and drama. Because although business and life get messy, that doesn't mean things have to be hard. Join us as we help you cope with the chaos and banish your barriers so that you can move forward in your entrepreneurial journey. I'm Megan Monahan, And I'm Teresa Safali. Let's get on with it. Okay, hey Megan. Hello, Teresa. What's going on? Oh my gosh, what isn't going on? You know, here we are. It's uh, the time when everybody's going back to school and soon I will be back at having my, my empty nest. Oh. And I, I have really mixed feelings about it. Yeah, especially after I think it feels like for most people, everyone's been around the house, which is unusual probably for the summertime. Yes. Oh, yeah, since March. And then, you know, my husband usually does music camp and that didn't happen this year. So, you know, everybody's been home and we've not killed each other. So that's a good thing, right? (laughs) I don't have any kids, but my husband's been home too. And, you know, it doesn't look like he's going back to the office uh, anytime soon, not at least on a regular basis. So yeah, I mean, we all have to figure out these new schedules, but it sounds like you will have time alone again. And that could be a little bit of a good thing. It could be. It could be. You know, I have my days where like I just break out into tears and everybody's leaving. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then the other days where I'm like, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So So, so in other words, school will save the marriage. School will save the marriage. (laughs) Uh, It's been a good test drive for uh, retirement actually. So, which is coming soon. So I think we'll manage and, um, and it'll be a good thing. Your so, husband is like the busiest uh, person that I've ever met. He does the most projects of any husband I've ever met. <laughs> well, he's always doing something. He's never slacking off, never resting. He's always doing something. You've not met my dad. You know, that's what it is. And, and he actually has been doing less because, you know, part of besides teaching music, he also plays music and that's what he's been busy doing. So... <laughs> Then there's been no gigs whatsoever, you know, so. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. He, you know, he, he's not around much because he works full time and then he has, he's a band. Right, right. So, so anyway, hopefully we'll get back to those things soon. We'll see. And this is a really good lead in because it just means that like my whole schedule changes again and things are going to change. Things are constantly changing. So now I'm going to have to go and create some new habits around yeah. everybody leaving. So I've made new habits with everybody home and now they're going to change again. Perfect timing for this topic is right. It is. It is. Um, you know, did you know that you're spending about 45% of your waking hours doing something automatic? Well, I suppose if I really think about it, that percentage shouldn't surprise me. I mean, there are tons of things we do, like breathing, that we don't really consciously think about. It just happens. Right. The brain is amazing. One of its many jobs, though, is to conserve energy. And it does that by automating tasks. Enter habit formation. 
A habit is defined as an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. Your day is essentially a string of habits. Some of them are good and some of them are bad and some of them are neutral. For sure, my days and even really my evenings are filled with both good and bad habit. Like I'm good at time management, but I watch way too much television. I'm like the, uh, the poster child for binge watching, <laughs> especially since the pandemic started. We're going to have to now, <laughs> now, when it comes to neutral habits, I'm totally clueless. What the heck is a neutral habit? Okay. A neutral habit is one that is just part of a routine that doesn't have a helpful or a harmful effect. So if we look at the example of what happens when you wake up in the morning, maybe it looks something like this. So you hit the snooze button on your alarm clock three times. Then you turn off your alarm clock. Then you check your cell phone. Then you get out of bed. Then you brush your teeth. Then you take a shower. Now, each one of these items is a habit. Some are good, like brushing your teeth and taking a shower. Others are bad, like hitting the snooze button three times and checking your cell phone before you get out of bed. The neutral habits are turning off the alarm clock and getting out of the bed. Okay. So then a neutral habit is an action that's more routine in nature, basically. Mm -hmm. As you're talking about neutral habits, I'm starting to assess my routines. I'm totally a creature of habit. And I'm thinking that most of us don't realize how much time we actually spend on autopilot. I think that's true. I mean, how many times have you driven home from someplace like the grocery store and you have no memory of it? Oh, yeah. I hate it when that happens. I have a very distinct morning routine and there are days when I brush my teeth and I don't even remember doing it because I was concentrating on something else. Sometimes I'm so hyper-focused on one thing and brushing my teeth is a task that is so automatic at this point that it's totally forgettable. What's becoming abundantly clear in this conversation is that you're creating habits whether you mean to or not. So if you want to build good habits, you start by knowingly creating them. It's an effort that's actually intentional. Yes. You definitely want to be intentional about the habits you create. But first, you need to become aware of the habits you already have. Now, James Clear, who I absolutely love, he's the author of Atomic Habits. He says this, one of our greatest challenges in changing habits is maintaining awareness of what we're actually doing. I know you've mentioned James Clear before. Actually, I think you've mentioned that book before, but I still haven't read it, so I've got to get my hands on it. <laughs> but I'm thinking that awareness goes hand in hand with intention. That's right. You know, I began my journey to be more productive many years ago, but back then, no matter how hard I tried, I just struggled. At first, I thought the problem was the strategies themselves, but I was wrong. The actual problem was my behavior. You see, I had built bad personal and professional habits that shaped everything about me. I wanted to be different, so I had to start behaving differently. That began with changing the habits I'd created over many years. Okay. So then why do you think it's so important to build good habits? Why would or should people really consider building better habits? Well, how you think, act, and feel are significantly affected by the habits you've created. Your habits 
influence your behavior and your behavior affects how productively you work. So for example, let's say that you need to complete a challenging task, but every time you hit a snag that makes you feel stressed and frustrated, you go on to Instagram. Double tapping on those photos seems to relieve the tension. Then you feel better. So you repeat that behavior every time you feel stressed out. Can you see the habit you built there? Yeah, the habit is when you're stressed and frustrated, you spend time on Instagram. That's actually fairly dangerous. Right. I run into this myself, actually. When I'm avoiding one thing, I may go do something else. And from what you're saying, I could run into developing a habit with this behavior. And it could be a bad habit. Exactly. Now, how productive do you think you'll be if every time you're feeling stressed out, you lost time in your day to Instagram? Yeah, you'd end up wasting a lot of time. Right. So the habits you have in place now have served the person you are right now. If you want to up-level your work performance, your happiness, your productivity, whatever, you need to improve your habits. Having good habits actually makes everything else easier. But with that being said, I don't want anyone to think that you can change your habits overnight. It's a process. And I had as many wins as I had failed attempts when I first started to change mine. But do you know what those successes and failures gave me? Data. Ooh, data. (laughs) You know how much I love data and analysis. So tell me, what did you learn? Well, I learned that when I changed one habit at a time, I increased my chance of being consistent over the long term. The opposite, of course, was true if I tried to change too many things. So let's say I attempted to establish a morning routine, which consists of five new habits all at the same time. I would fall short in that instance. That would lead me right back into my bad habits. My brain was like, whoa, what are you doing? That seems new and scary. So let's go back to where I feel safe. I completely understand that. Not only does your brain conserve energy, but it's also designed to protect you. That was too much new territory all at once. Change can be overwhelming. I know this because I don't really like change. (laughs) Most (laughs) people don't. Yeah, I I think most, a lot of people don't. Some people really really thrive on change. And um, I'm not necessarily one of those people. But to avoid the overwhelm, I would say start small. Small steps, people. (laughs) I can't emphasize that enough. It's the same whether you're implementing a new marketing strategy, testing out a new productivity tactic, or building a good habit. You'll progress faster with one small tweak at a time. Often the reason you fail is that you try to do too much at once. I know this because I've bitten off more than I can chew many times in the past, and that has led to overwhelm and sometimes even failure. Yes, that certainly happened to me on more than one occasion, and I'm still not perfect. So sometimes I still bite off way more than I can chew, and I know I'm doing it, but I do it anyway, right? (laughs) But what we're saying is don't discount the little changes that may seem insignificant, Those baby steps add up over time. So find your one thing to try right now. When I was looking to change my game and build better habits, I started really, really small. 
I wanted to fix my sleep problem. So I picked one habit to change. Which habit was that? Devices. Ah, devices. We all, we all have this device issue, cell phones, laptops, iPads, right? I was either on my phone, computer, tablet, right before bed. I was so stimulated that I couldn't settle down and get to sleep. So I began to build the habit of not being on a device within one hour of bedtime. And over time, I added other small good habits to create a bedtime routine. But I added those things one at a time. So I guess my question for you is, how long does it take to build good habits? <laughs> well, as much as I hate to answer with, it depends, um, <laughs> it depends. So Philippa Lally, she's a health psychology researcher at University College London, conducted a study in 2009 to determine how long it actually takes to form a habit. I mean, we've all heard those things like the 21-day fix and, you know, it takes this long or that long. Well, she discovered that it can actually take anywhere from 18 days to 254 days for a habit to become fully automatic. What are you shaking your head about? 254 days? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Look, on average, it really takes about 66 days to completely establish a new habit. And that's meaning that, you know, you're going to do it without thinking about it. How long it takes to build a particular habit, though, depends on the difficulty of the habit that you want to establish. So for example, the habit of drinking a glass of lemon water is way easier to establish than, say, exercising for 30 minutes, five days a week. So it may only take you 18 days for grabbing that lemon water every morning to become just the automatic first thing you do, as opposed to um, creating that longer term exercise habit that where you may have a lot more resistance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got it. Okay. So just to clarify then, um, that means the time it takes to make one task a habit not a routine consisting of multiple habits, right? Right, right. We're not talking about um, installing or establishing a routine. We're talking about one thing. And so remember, you know, I didn't try to change all of my habits at once. I didn't wake up one day and say, today I'm going to be different, (laughs) right? I mean, I think that's what a lot of us do though. I started small with one thing and I added over time. Building good habits is a constant fluid process. Like we were talking about earlier, I've established some new habits, having everybody home during the pandemic, during quarantine, right? People have been home since March now. And so they're going to leave and my habits will then change again. But your habits help reinforce who you are evolving to be. Okay. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned a process. I know building good habits requires a plan. Everything requires a plan, really. (laughs) Okay, you caught me. (laughs) When I first began experimenting with my own habits, it was a game of chance. I did some research on the topic and tried some tactics, and I believed that I had great success in spite of myself. How effective I was at changing my habits changed for me, though, when I read Atomic Habits by James Clear. First, his book helped me understand the science behind creating good habits. That greater understanding of how and why habits work 
help me create better, more intentional habits. In other words, I could create better habits that lead to more successful outcomes. Hmm, that's interesting. I'd never really considered that there's science behind habit creation, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, let me, let me just give you a quick example. One area I created better habits around is my cell phone. So previously, I had set up notifications to remind me of important things, right? That seems like it would be a good habit, right? It does. The habit then became when my phone dings, I look at it. The problem was that when the phone dinged and every time it dinged, I couldn't stop myself from looking. If I tried to ignore it, the friction it caused was unbearable. The phone won out 100% of the time because even if I didn't look at it immediately, I was still thinking about looking at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that a lot of people struggle with that. Right. So I'd created a successful habit loop but it wasn't a successful strategy. In order to have more success, I needed to remove the interruption. To remove the interruption, I had to change the habit loop. All right, I really wanna know how you fix that issue, but first I have to ask, what the heck is a habit loop? (laughs) (laughs) So a habit loop is simply a feedback loop. James Clear explains the four-step process of building any habit. So first is the cue. That's the trigger that initiates the action. Then there's the craving, which is the motivation or desire to perform the action. Then there's the response, which is the actual habit that you perform. And then last is reward, which satisfies your craving. So if I apply the habit loop process to the cell phone notification habit, it looked like this. The cue was the dinging of my cell phone. The craving was that I wanted to look at my phone. The response was I pick up my phone and I look at it. And then the reward was that my curiosity was satisfied. Yeah, okay. It's kind of like Pavlov's dog study and conditioning. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how feedback loops play into habit formation. A simple feedback loop can easily create a good or bad habit. That reward is like a dopamine hit, I'm thinking. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm curious, how did you break the habit loop of phone notifications? Okay, so I didn't break it so much as change it. What I needed was a new cue and a new reward. And it started with turning off the notifications though. Here's the new habit loop. My new cue was 9 a.m. The craving was I'd want to check my cell phone. The response was I check my cell phone for emails, texts, and other notifications. And the reward was that I stayed in control of my day. Yeah, that sounds better. And I bet you saved tons of time too. Now I've got to know, What's the best way to go about building good habits? I think most of us are unconsciously creating new bad habits all of the time. So we probably need to understand how to be more proactive about our behavior and actions. Well, you know, there's no cookie cutter solution to anything. At least I don't think so. But if you've struggled in the past with building consistent good habits, I recommend that you use James Clear's process that he calls the four laws of behavioral change, right? Because it's really about changing your behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me establish many new habits. 
plus it's directly related to the habit loop. These four laws are make it obvious, which is actually Q, the Q, right? Number two is to make it attractive. That's the craving. Number three is to make it easy. That's the response of that habit loop. And number four is to make it satisfying. And that is, goes in hand in hand with reward. That sounds like something that I can get on board with. <laughs> Please tell us more about each one. Okay. So the first law is to make it obvious. James Clear suggests doing so by attaching the habit to a time and location. So the time and location become the cue. He calls it the implementation intention formula. I love all these fancy names for things. So for example, let's say you want to establish the goal that I will drink 10 ounces of lemon water. That will become, I will drink 10 ounces of lemon water at 7 a.m. in the kitchen. So using the implementation intention formula makes the what, the when, and the where very clear. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Specificity. I love it. It's like goal setting. The more specific, the better. It's obvious to what you're committing to when you plan to do it and where. It reduces the chance that you'll keep putting it off until later. That's right. And you can go a step further by stacking habits together, right? So I will drink 10 ounces of lemon water at 7 a.m. in the kitchen can also lead to after I drink my lemon water, I will stretch for 10 minutes in the living room. After I stretch, I will meditate for five minutes in the living room. After I meditate, I will journal for seven minutes in the kitchen. And you can stack as many habits as you like. Stacking habits together helps create powerful rituals. Okay, that sounds kind of like a routine to me. So what's the difference between a ritual and a routine? Okay, so routines and rituals are the same in that they are both a performed set of actions. So essentially, they are a habit stack. The difference between them, however, is in the objective behind the actions. So a routine is a set of actions you just need to get done, like make your bed and get dressed and load the dishwasher, right? Okay. A ritual is more purposeful in nature. My rituals help me get into a positive headspace that affects my mood and productivity in a good way. Well, I had no idea about the differences, so I think I'm going to refer to you as Yoda moving <laughs> forward. That's okay with you. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> okay. The second law is to make habits attractive. This is the craving stage of a habit loop. The concept is that you're more likely to adopt the habit in anticipation of a reward. The anticipation of the action, not the fulfillment of it, creates the craving, right? Mm -hmm. So like when you want a cookie, it's not eating the cookie that makes you want it. It's the thought about having the cookie that makes you want the cookie. Does that make sense? And now I want a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Of course you do. <laughs> it comes down to wants versus needs. Sometimes establishing a new habit is a challenge. Maybe it isn't so exciting like that lemon water. You know there's a benefit to the lemon water, but that isn't necessarily enough to get you to do it. In that case, find something you want to do to follow the thing you need to do. 
So you're making it conditional to a reward. For example, after I drink my lemon water, I can watch van life videos on YouTube for 10 minutes. Yes, exactly, if that's your jam. You can also incorporate the lemon water within a ritual. In this case, you'd insert it before a habit you enjoy. So part of my morning ritual is to spend 10 to 15 minutes snuggling with and playing with my dogs. I inserted my lemon water drinking right before that. Not only am I anticipating the joy of playing with them, but they anticipate it also, and I can really tell. That's a good incentive to drink it down and not dilly-dally. Loving on the dogs is always a good habit. (laughs) So what's next? Okay, the third law is to make it easy. This is the response phase of a habit loop. To make the response easy, create an environment where doing the right thing is as easy as possible. When a task is hard, it creates friction, right? And that's resistance. The easiest way to get rid of the friction, of course, is to not do it at all. But that doesn't really help you build good habits, does it? Nope. No. So design the environment to reduce any friction. For example, let's say you want to establish the habit of drinking a smoothie after your morning workout. Yet every time you finish your workout, you flake out on making the smoothie. Obviously, there's resistance there. If you want to create this new habit, though, you have to come up with a solution to make it easier. What's something you could do to make it easy, Megan? You could take out all of the non-perishable ingredients and the blender before your workout. Or you could make your smoothie the night before so that all you need to do is to grab it out of the fridge in the morning. Perfect. Those are great ways to make it easy. Nice job. Well, I happen to know that task really well since the morning smoothie is something I actually have struggled with in the past. Making things easier on yourself always makes you more likely to succeed. Okay, so tell us more about the last law. Okay, the fourth law is to make a habit satisfying. This is all about reward. Remember that part of the reason to create a habit is to eventually make that action automatic. To keep practicing an action, make sure it's rewarding in some way. When a task is gratifying, you increase the odds of repeating the behavior again. If you don't, it'll be a lot harder to make it a habit. The best way to ensure that you'll repeat a behavior is to make the completion of it gratifying in some way. That plays along with psychology and that makes total sense. But let me ask you this. If the reward isn't immediate, will that make it more difficult to stick with an action? Let's say you're trying to establish the habit of walking two miles a day on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. The goal of your exercise habit may be to help you lose 10 pounds. But in this case, you won't see that reward right away. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're definitely a part of the instant gratification nation. (laughs) Behaviors that have delayed rewards like that are indeed harder to establish as habits than those that have immediate rewards attached to them. However, while the bigger reward may come later, you can increase your chances of success by finding something smaller to keep it pleasurable. So using your walking example, you could reward yourself with a massage once a week or coffee with a friend on the days when you walked. There's always a way to make an action more satisfying so you'll stay on track to build good habits. So look for solutions, not excuses. You're always reminding me of that. And it's great advice. 
As I'm always saying, more people need to take responsibility. So it's on you to make your habits work. Okay, everyone. I've enjoyed sharing my knowledge about habits with you, but we've only scratched the surface here. So I highly recommend that you read Atomic Habits by James Clear. You won't regret it. Do you have anything else, Megan? I'll add this, and actually it's kind of an echo from earlier in this episode. You can remain stuck in the same place you are right now, or you can consciously build the good habits you need to make lasting, effective change to your work and your life. You either stay stuck or you make a change. You decide. From years of biting off more than we could chew, we know that success comes when you start small. We'll keep saying that because it's true. Mm -hmm. Aim big, but start small. I think that should be our new motto. (laughs) I like that. Make small improvements over time. Then in a couple months, you'll look back and be proud of your progress. We believe in you. We know that you can build better habits. Change is messy. Don't fight the messy moments. Embrace them. That's great advice, Megan. Okay, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to visit our website at messydeskpodcast.com. That's where you'll find our show notes and links to the resources we mentioned in the episode. And we'd be eternally grateful if you'd share this episode with a friend or leave us a positive review, or even both if you feel like it. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Messy Desk Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the Messy Desk Podcast and leave us a review. We're interested in what you're interested in. So email us at messydeskpodcast at gmail.com with your topic suggestions and questions. And most importantly, stay messy because that's where the growth, progress, and magic happen. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I think I said regularly weird.